Well, good morning. And to some of those, good morning. I'm uh, very grateful for the privilege of having more than five minutes to prepare for my sermon today. <laughs> but, you know, it's got in season and out of season, right? Yeah. I want to be able to share with you about the Good Shepherd today. We'll be taking it out of Psalms, the 23rd chapter. I want to, I think that the best thing to do in this is to show you our weakness, our frailty, our indeficiencies, our independencies, so that I can magnify who Jesus Christ is as the Good Shepherd. I think that once we see who we are and how weak we are, we are able to see how powerful and how strong and how glorious He is. And the other hand, it's the same way too, is that if we think that we're somebody, we're really not, then we really can't see Jesus Christ as who He really is because we're in the way. So, I would like to start with the 23rd chapter, but before I do that, I feel like that it's important for you to go to the 22nd chapter. Because if you don't understand the 22nd chapter, you'll never understand the 23rd. The 22nd chapter, verses 11 to 18, is the, is the picture of the cross. <clears throat> And if you can't, if you don't know him as your savior, you'll never, never know him as the good shepherd. So, looking at those verses there in twenty-second chapter, starting with eleventh verse, be be not far from me, for trouble is near. This is Jesus speaking. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Basham have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a raving and as a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And thou dost lay me in the dust of death. The dogs, or Gentiles, have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They they look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing... They cast lots. If you don't see Jesus Christ in that picture of understanding that He died for you, that His death on the cross and how He has 
has spoken this. This is exactly how Jesus felt on the cross. And that's how that we have to look at Him is that that death that He died, He died for us. We can never see Him in the light of the Good Shepherd until we see Him in the light of the Savior. It becomes reality to us then. So if you would, let's look at the 23rd chapter. And this is a very familiar chapter to many of you. In fact, it's probably a chapter that is used at a lot of funerals. This is not a funeral, but used it at a lot of funerals. And 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 at special events, you know, it's, it, most of people know how to quote Psalms the twenty third chapter. I've seen people who don't even know Christ as their Savior can quote Psalms twenty third chapter. But there's so much here. There is so much here. I'm just going to be able to get to the hem of His garment to be able to share a lot of what is being said here. So, if you wouldn't mind, let's stand and let's read the text. I want to read the whole chapter before you, even though I'm not going to preach on the whole chapter because we'll be here till next Sunday. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Others prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we are very grateful to you for this tremendous, wonderful, glorious passage whereby we can see our Savior in the light of being the great, wonderful, glorious shepherd Father, help us to be able to dig into the passage and relay to these, your people, what you have in mind for them to know. I'm just a messenger and I open my mouth and I speak as you give me utterance. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, thank you, sir. She knows my need before I ask it. With that in mind, knowing who he is, there is really there's five questions that I ask, and I knew that I wouldn't get to all five, so I thought, well, I'll just give you three. And so the three questions that I wanted to ask you in relationship to what this chapter is talking about is first, how is Jesus Christ the personification of the Good Shepherd? Secondly, what does our Good Shepherd give as our proportion? And what is our Good Shepherd's 
provision. Those three things that I wanted to be able to share with you. How is Jesus Christ the personification of the Good Shepherd? Now, you know that David was a shepherd boy, right? And you know that he watched over his sheep. And when he talks about the Good Shepherd, you understand that he knows when he, when he says the Good Shepherd, he realizes what a shepherd is. He knows what a shepherd does. And so throughout this chapter, when he gives you this path, the, the, the concept of who is the good shepherd, he understands that because of the light of his own life. He is a shepherd. So he refers to the shepherd as Raha. Raha is the, the, the expression that is used, the, the, the name that is used for shepherd. It is uh, R-A-A-W and is pronounced R-A-W-A-W. Raha. <clears throat> and it's, uh, and it, it, we understand that word, we would understand that word by two ways. One, we understand the Raha as the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd of his sheep. Now, <clears throat> we read to you Chapter 22, and we read to you chapter 23. I'd like you to turn then to John 10, 11 to 13. John 10, 11 to 13. Marvelous, powerful passage of Scripture here. Jesus says, and He starts off the verse... And John ten eleven, I am the good shepherd. That's chapter twenty three. I am the good shepherd. That's chapter twenty three. Then he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's chapter twenty two. You have in that phrase those two chapters. You have chapter 23 and chapter 22. Because he's a good shepherd and he laid down his life for the sheep. (laughs) Wonderful. I love that. It's wonderful. Now, notice that in verse 12, he's he's telling you in so many words that he is the only shepherd. And every other one who considers them to be a shepherd is a hireling. Look what he says in verse 12. But he who is a hireling and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, who owns us? (laughs) And Jesus does, right? Sees the wolf, the predator, coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And this predator or wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care for the sheep. There's so much in that. I can just close my book and say, okay, we have already taken care of chapter 23. Go home. But don't you do that. The second thing that we see And the Raha of Jesus being the shepherd is that he has a personal relationship with us. 
a personal relationship. The shepherd knows his sheep by name. He calls them by name. He tends to them. He understands them. He knows that there's some real quirky sheep over here. And he knows there's some that are really good sheep. And he knows there's some sheep that are a little wandering. And he knows that there's certain sheep that have certain problems. He knows every one of them. He knows what? He knows how to deal with them. He knows how to deal with them. So Jesus says in verse 14 and 16 of the same chapter of John, I am the good shepherd. Just in case you forgot, he reiterated it. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my and I I and my own know me. Isn't that what I just got finished saying? Even as the Father knows me, I also know the Father. Whoa, that is powerful. What is he saying there? He's saying that he knows his sheep just as the Father knows him. And he's saying that the sheep know me just as I know the Father. You know, I haven't got there yet. But I'm sure hoping I can get there. I would like to be able to know my Savior, my Shepherd, like He knows His Father. And I have other sheep. I want you to understand, He didn't say goats in that passage of Scripture. Now I might make some of you mad, but I'm not trying to. He said, I have other sheep. That means you've got saved sheep and you've got lost sheep. Okay? So, I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must also lead those. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I've often wondered what it was going to be like, and I know you have, when we get to heaven. I have thought about that so many times. I've thought about the infinity of people that are there. One flock. One shepherd. All of us. One flock. One shepherd. The second second thing that I want you to know about that Jesus Christ has been prophesied to be the shepherd in Isaiah 40.11, he was prophesied to be the shepherd. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry, excuse me, and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. That's can you can you think of Jesus that being that tender? How he reaches down and carries the baby lambs that have gotten tired and carries them, leads the mamas along. 
You know, I often wondered why Jesus referred to us as sheep. Have you ever thought about that? You know what Jesus... Do you know Jesus is the Lion of Judah? You know that, don't you? I asked the Lord one time. I said, why is it that we couldn't be referred to as lion cubs? Wouldn't that be kind of interesting? Hey, I'm a lion cub. That means that when I grow up, I'm going to be a lion. All right. All right. You know what the Lord impressed on my heart about? He said, you'll never be a lion. Because you're helpless. You're dumb. You're defenseless. And you're independent. Wow. That hurts. So when he referred to me as a sheep and he referred to you as a sheep, it was not a compliment. (laughs) It was not a compliment. Sheep are so defenseless that they have no claws, they have no canine teeth, and they have no speed. They're helpless. They're dependent upon their shepherd. Very much so. So, how is our good shepherd... How does He give us our proportion? How does He give us our proportion? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. That means I'm not going to have to worry about my needs. There is no lack. The word want is kosher. Kosher. No lack. You say, what do you mean? What do you mean by no lack? That means the emphasis is on the no. I have no needs because my shepherd is taking care of them. The perspective of nothing. You know, have you think about what God thinks about nothing? What God thinks about nothing is when He came and created something out of nothing. You know, you can't think about nothing. Your mind won't go there. Because when you say, well, I can think of air, well, air is something. There is no way that your mind can wrap around the thought as to nothing because we always think of something. Right? But see, when God says that you're not going to have any want, He's saying nothing. He understands what nothing is. And there was nothing here when He created the heavens and the earth. Amen? So He is our provider. And He says you're not going to have any need. Now, Nehemiah picks up on this thought in Nehemiah 9.21. Nehemiah 9.21 He's speaking about the Israelites that are wandering around in the desert. And he says, Indeed, forty years you provided for them in the wilderness and they were not in want. Their clothing did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. 
Your feet swell? <laughs> well, Jesus asks the question. Listen to me here. Jesus asks this question in Matthew 6.28. So, why do you worry? So why do you worry? I've got it. Yeah, but Lord, you haven't met my wants. I didn't say I was going to meet your wants. I'll meet your needs. I'm going to take care of you. I don't understand why you keep running around worrying about whether or not you're going to be taken care of. I'm going to take care of you. So, our Lord is our provision. I want to major on this for the rest of the time that we have. Our Lord is our provision. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us. Did you get that? You got that? You know my concept of make it? I'm going to make you do something. I'm going to come over and say, I'm going to make you sit down. You go ahead and try. Huh? He makes us lie down. Well, man, I wonder why, how He does that. Robots is the word that is used here. Makes us to lie down and rest. How does He do that? Well, three areas that He does that in. This is really important that you folks really begin to see this and relate to that because this is the Good Shepherd that's doing that for us. This is what the word robots means. And see, at the same time, you have to understand that Jesus Christ is a Good Shepherd. You understand that David is a shepherd. So therefore, he understands that there's three things that sheep need to have in order for them to rest. Now, if you're saying, boy, you know, I'm sure I've been wanting to know how to rest. All right, you need to listen. I'm fixing to tell you. Okay? The first thing that a shepherd needs to do in order for his sheep to rest in the meadow is that he's got to secure the area. Secure the area of all predators. He's got to make sure that the area is secure. There's a security. Do you folks understand what it means to be secure? When, When you know that the enemy is coming in or whether or not our country has lost control and therefore we have been flooded by the enemy, your your security seems to be at risk. And it's hard for you to lay down. It's hard for you to lay down and rest. You're on edge. I don't know if you ever watched sheep before or even goats because they both act the same. But they hear a crackle in the woods. And they're just running off. I've seen this so many times with the goats that we've had. 
a little twig breaks, and all of a sudden, they're running back to security. Run back to the barn. I thought, well, now what in the world is out there in the woods that they're running out? And I'll go out there and I'll look all over the place and I can't find anything. I don't see any predators. It needs to be made secure. They need to have a secure environment. Do do you know that... I know when you read through the book of Psalms, you read this over and over again, that David looks to Jesus as his shepherd because he's always talking about his enemies. You notice that? He's always talking about his enemies. Lord, help me, help me, help me. Get rid of these enemies. Provide protection for me. 113 times out of 150 chapters, David is pleading with God to help him with his enemies. What does that tell you? That tells you that David is saying, Lord, I need your security. I need you to make my field secure. I need you to make my environment secure. That's what he's talking about. He needs security. Do we have predators in our lives? You know what our predators are? It's not flesh and blood. You say, oh man, I thought it was Tom. Man, I thought it was him. Or I thought it was Jeff. Or I thought it was that guy down the road. No. It's the powers of darkness. There are predators. They're all around us. They're, they're causing us to drift in our time of prayer. They're causing us to give us problems when we try to read the Word of God. They're, they try, they try, they're always hindering us. They're always there. You know, if you start off in your prayer time, Lord, secure my area from the powers of darkness. Secure my field because I want to spend time with you. Secure me so I can spend time in the Word of God because those demons do not want you to do that. And they're going to distract you. They're going to put thoughts in your mind. They're going to do everything they can before you just get up and say, forget this. I've tried to spend time with the Lord, but I just can't. You need to get your area secure. You need to get your area secure. Hey, are you the ba? Ba? You're the sheep, right? You're the ba? Okay. You need a secure area. You need the shepherd to secure your area. The second thing that a sheep need to have in order for them to rest. They need plenty of food. Need all their needs taken care of. They need to have their bellies filled. They need to be able to eat and eat and eat until they're so full that it's ready for them to lay down. I can't eat no more. I ate some of that scrumptious grass and I can't eat no more. Alright? And see, God says, I will provide your needs. 
You don't have any reason to worry. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide your needs. Your green pastures. Do you realize that that the Word of God refers to as the sheep of His pastures? Do you ever think about that? You know how many times He's done said that? I don't know, but I'm going to share some passages of Scripture with you. I'm just going to read them off. I'm going to give you where the passages are. And if you just listen, I'll just read them to you, okay? Most of them are in Psalms. Psalms 79.13 Then ye, your people, the sheep of your pasture. Psalms 95.7 For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture. And the sheep of His hand. In Psalms 103 Know that Jehovah... He is God. He has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. John 10.9 says, And we shall go and in and out and find pasture. Now you didn't know you were eating a bunch of grass, not did you? But see what he's talking about is that He's providing, the shepherd provides the sheep, the grass, the fields that they need to eat good grass in. You know, if you keep a sheep in one field for any length of period of time, they're going to eat the grass down to the roots. They're going to ruin the grass field. They have to be, they have to be brought from one field to another field to another field, and the shepherd knows that. Pastor Dennis does a wonderful job in giving you all kinds of pastures and the Word of God. One book after another. Why does he do that? He don't want you eating the grass down to the roots. Yeah? He wants to provide the pastures, those pastures, to you bunch of sheep. And you need to have good pastures. You need to be eating the eaten in the good pastures. You need to have your full. Does anybody leave this room empty? Do you leave without being fed? No. You've been feeding on that green pasture and your belly is full. Right? Your belly is full. In fact, you had to go home and lay down and take a nap, right? The third thing that a shepherd does in providing for them and helping them to rest in a field is to relieve them of all the agitating bites from mosquitoes and, and all those other insects that are biting on the ears of the, of the, of the sheep. Now, he can't go around and Pray each one of them. They can't just do like we have some places where they, they fog the area with machines so they kill all the mosquitoes. They don't have that ability. So what does he do? He goes by each one of the sheep and he looks at them and says, Oh, you've got a bite on your ear, honey. I'm going to put some oil on that ear. 
I'm going to anoint your head with oil. And he anoints their heads with oil and it relieves the agitating bites that they had on their head. You know, can you sleep when they're just around your ears and think, can you rest? And when you get a bite from a mosquito, you're always kind of hard to rest. Well, see, the Lord, the shepherd, knows a remedy for that. He puts oil on it. Well, you say, well, that, 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 that really work? I mean, you got to go home and put some oil on my I got, I, you know. But see, what happened in the practical setting of the Old Testament happens for the spiritual setting for us in the New Testament. Did you understand that? What they're going through physically, we go through spiritually. Just as we have spiritual pastures that we go through. Okay? So, David says in verse 5 of the same chapter, in Psalms 23, he says, You anointed my head with oil. Now, why would he say that? Because it relieved him of all the agitations. And the relief of the agitations that we have is that we have the anointing of God. You say, well, can you share Can you prove that to me? I'm really glad you asked that question because I'm fixing to do it. I'd like you to turn. You might want to turn to some of these passages. I don't know whether I'm not going to get to them all. I mean, you'll be able to turn to them all. But in 2 Corinthians 1... 21 to 22, Paul says, Paul says this, Now He who has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us, has anointed us in God. Verse 22, same chapter. Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And John says, in 1 John 2.20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And what he's talking about? He says, you have the availability of everything that you want to know about God, you got it here. You got the anointing to be able to go through the Word of God and He teaches you. Isn't the Spirit of God our teacher? Okay. You know those little agitating sins that we have, that they agitate us and they agitate us? Those are things that we need to take to the Spirit of God and confess and get purged from and get away from so that we may rest from them. Now John also says, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And it's true. And it's not a lie. Just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. So we have the anointing. Okay? Now, 
I've told you the three things that He has given us so that He might that we may be able to rest. He gave us three things so that we can rest. Why? Why does He want us to rest? Why does He just say, work, 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 work? Because He wants us to ruminate. Do you know that that one of the reasons why a shepherd wants his sheep to be able to rest is so they will ruminate. Ruminating of a sheep. Sheep need to rest. Okay? I have watched these goats and they don't upchuck their hood. Is that right? Could? Is that right? I'm from the north and I may say it wrong. But anyway, they, they, they uh, upchuck their good. But they don't do that until it, everything is just calm. And there they lay in there. And just chewing around like they got a piece of, big old piece of bubble gum in their mouth. <coughs> They're just chewing the good. And they've got to do that. But they can't do that unless the, the shepherd has provided them a, a secure environment he's provided them all their provisions and he's given them their anointing and now they can ruminate so they lay there in that environment and they ruminate if a sheep does not get its proper rumination his belly will flow it will bloat out and they will Go over on their back and they see these four legs <laughs> up in the air and they will die. Because they must ruminate. It isn't a choice. They have to. And if you want healthy, cheap, you're going to have to provide these three things. Are you going to go out one day and you're going to find these little legs sticking up in the air because they're bloated and they're fixing it back? You can hear the Word of God being preached to you, but if you don't meditate on it, you're not going to understand it. It's not going to become a part of you. You have to ruminate. You have to chew on the Word of God. You have to have a proper digestive system of the Word of God. When you get in quiet time, and and, and one of the things I've tried to show you is this prayer room over here. Is that there's verses of Scripture there so you can read and think about and ponder on and think about who He is and pray through that passage of Scripture. That's ruminating. That's meditating. That's what He wants us to do. He wants us to meditate. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Jesus says, I want you to rest in Me. 
I want you to eat me. I want you to drink me. I want you to understand that I am your Sabbath rest. All of this that I'm speaking to you that is in Psalms, the 23rd chapter, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Because He is the fulfillment of it. He is the shepherd. He's the fulfillment of all of it. But see, when you see when you see Jesus and He speaks to you and, and he, he speaks to you through Scripture and He says, like, for instance, in Matthew eleven, twenty eight and twenty nine, and if you would turn there. Because this is the shepherd that's this is the shepherd that's talking. This is the shepherd that's that's speaking. And he's saying, Come, come to me. He's saying, Come. Come to me. Crying out to come. It's in the imperative mood. The word is is duty. It's saying come. Now, in this passage, many have used this passage as a as a a word on salvation, and, and it's it's it is true to that the degree, but it's there's two classes of people that is being spoken of in this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> and I don't want to go into an ideal detail because it's not my purpose to preach on Matthew 11:28, But it is my purpose to be able to help you understand it. But he says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn, of, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Now, twice in that passage of Scripture, he uses the word rest. He says rest. Now, he says the first, the first class is those that labor. Kapion. Kapion. Aho, rather. Kapiaho. And kapiaho is used six times in the Gospels and it always refers to a person who is a laborer of Christ and is a Christian. Let me just read this for you. And if you want to write it down, fine. But Matthew 6.28 is the first. Speaking to his children, considering... Or rather, this is the second. Uh, speaking to his children, the sheep, consider the lilies how they toil. Speaking to us. He speaks to us as his sheep. And in, in, in Luke 5.5, 5, Peter saying, we have toiled at, at fishing all night. Now who is he speaking to? He's speaking to a Christian who's toiled. In Luke 12.27, it's the same as, as, as Matthew 6.28, and that is the lilies. And he's speaking to who? He's speaking to the children of God. He's speaking to the sheep. And, and, and John 4, 6, you can understand this, Jesus was weary coming to the well. That's the same word. Same Greek word. And in John four thirty eight, Jesus is speaking to the laborers in the harvest. He's speaking to the Christians. But then he uses another class and he's talking about those who are heavy laden. That's a burden. What did Pilgrim have on his back when he started his pilgrimage? 
he had a burden. What was that burden? That was sin, wasn't it? So he had a burden on his back and Jesus is saying to the sheep that are found and the sheep that are lost, come to me. Because you both need rest. You both need to understand that you need rest. So Jesus is saying, I am your rest. But He's given us a form of rest and a different scenario. He's saying, couple yourselves together in My yoke. Now, maybe you might not think that that's not a way to rest. But He said, Come to me, I'll give you rest in the yoke. Did he not? So when he says, he said that he was gentle, and if you get into the yoke, you'll learn from him. He's your shepherd. So, I learned to be gentle. Boy, do I even need to know that. I need that. Boy, when my younger days, I didn't know what the word gentle means. I forgot how to do a work of grace in my life. Gentle. Gentle. He wants us to be gentle. Paros. That doesn't mean that you're weak. It means you're gentle. So we learn how to be humble. Not, not that we are not able to relate. I mean, we're humble in that we serve. Jesus is willing to serve. But I want you to see primar- primarily where our rest comes into. It comes to our minds. He says, You shall get into my, my you shall find rest for your souls. That's suke. Suke is mind. If your mind is at rest, your body's at rest, right? Now, you ever have a problem laying down and your mind's yelling at you? And you're trying to get all these different thoughts out of your mind saying, I've got to rest, I've got to rest, leave me alone, leave me alone, I've got to rest, I've got to rest. Jesus said that I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest in the pasture because He is the rest. Now, let's go back to Psalms 53. And let me cover the last point that I want to make with you. I hate it when pastors say that. They always say, okay, this is my last point, and it lasts for another 30 minutes. And it's, uh, it might be that. I hope it won't, but anyway. It says there in the passage of Scripture, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and we help you understand that. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. Hmm. Well, let's look at the word leads here for a second. The good shepherd leads. Naha. It means that if he's leading, we need to follow. And see, sheep don't have a problem with that because the shepherd says, he's the voice, he speaks, and he says, sheep, come on. And sometimes the shepherd may 
to put his sheep into a fold where there's other shepherd's sheep. And they're all mixed together in there. Oh my, what a mess. Then I wonder if he marked them with red so that he can go through them and say, oh, you're mine, you're, you're mine, you're mine, oh, you're mine, oh, you're not mine, you're, you're mine. And, does he do that? Oh no. You see, the sheep know his voice. And when he comes by, he says, Woohoo, come on! And all his sheep say, Hey, buddy, I see you. And out there, up the fold, they go. And they follow him because they know his voice. Yeah. So it's a good shepherd. The good shepherd is that he says, Come on, let's go. And there's some sheep that say, Ah. I think I'm going to go my way. I'm going to wander off here a little ways. You ever get a chance to wander? Do you get wandering? I mean, just, you know, do we wander? Yeah. So he gets to wandering off and he gets himself in a situation or in a thicket and he can't get out of it. And the shepherd goes over there to him and says, Now, Jamie, I told you that you needed to follow me and you're not following me. And you've been doing this quite often, so I'm going to have to do something. And you may look at that and you say, man, this is awful cruel for a shepherd to do to his sheep. But he finds it very necessary. What he does is he breaks that sheep's leg. Oh, man. What a cruel shepherd to do something like that. Breaks his leg. Well, the psalmist David understands it because he's a shepherd. And he's had some sheep that just will not hearken to the voice of the shepherd and they just go off on their own. Just independent. I'm going to do it my way. I know my ways better than his. And so you get yourself in trouble. I should have done it the shepherd's way. Oh man, now I'm stuck in this thicket and I can't get out. Well, the psalmist David says in verse in chapter fifty one eight B Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. You see the shepherd speaking to the shepherd says I know you broke my bones because I became independent. Because I was wandering. I was going my own way. I was doing things I should not have done. I was up on the top of the housetops when I shouldn't have been up there. I've committed I've committed crimes that I should not have ever committed. I was a wandering sheep and you broke my bones. You broke my bones. Broken bones are like a broken heart. See, God, when sometimes God gets a hold of us and breaks our hearts. Really breaks our hearts. And see, when God breaks your heart, you have a tenderness about you that you have never had before. I know. I've been broken. And I've been broken. And I've been broken. 
But each time that God has broken me, He's given me a tenderness. He's given me a love. He's given me a compassion. And He says in 17, the same chapter, 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a, a broken contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. You know what the shepherd does after he breaks his leg? If you make it, fine. I sure hope you can. Well, maybe some of your other fellow sheep may be able to help you out. Maybe they can stand next to you a little bit and kind of walk you along and maybe you can make it, okay? At least you're not going to be wandering now. Oh, no. He picks that sheep up and he puts the sheep all over his head onto his shoulders. Now that sheep begins to learn of the tenderness and the gentleness and the humility of his shepherd. When he has never learned that before. And he, he begins to relate to the shepherd and why the shepherd is saying, you've got to follow me. You've got to do what I tell you to do in the Word of God. Because if you don't, I'll have to break you. I'll have to break you. And so when He breaks us, He breaks us. So we follow Him. You know, you may think, boy, that doesn't seem to be very loving. But let me tell you something. Love needs to be tough sometimes. And His tough love had to get a hold of us and bring us to that place where we are submissive to Him. And we lose that that Indiana Jones type mentality. But he leads us. When he leads us, he's saying, "I follow me, and I'll lead you." And where is he going to lead you? He's going to lead you to the still waters. Oh, that's so beautiful. You know what the still waters are? They're refreshing. But see, sheep won't drink from a river. They will not drink from moving waters. They won't drink there. So the shepherd knows they won't do that. And they say, well, why won't they? Because they're skittish. And they don't like anything that's moving around them. They want something that's still. See? So He provides for them and he, and he leads them to that still water where they can get a refreshing drink from the refreshing water of the Word of God. Refreshing. When He refreshes us, when we are still before God and we get still before Him and we begin to start listening to Him, And hearing what He's saying to us through the Word, He begins to wash us in His Word. And we begin to learn to listen to the rhema that comes from the Logos. 
And we begin, we begin to stop striving. And we begin to learn who Jesus is. And your quiet times become so special and precious when you get still before Him and you recognize Him to be the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank You so much for being our Good Shepherd. And how meaningful that is to me. Thank You, Father, that You've been very special to us. Very loving, very compassionate. That you don't get angry with us. But you discipline us. You lead us. You help us to lie down in green pastures. You minister to our hearts. You help us to see you in a light that we have never seen you. And that you have given us the word of God so we might learn about you. That we follow you and and that we will know you as you know your Father. And your Father knows you. And we give you praise for the word of God and thank you for this opportunity to speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Luke, for giving us something to eat of, to partake of. I partake of the Word of God. Thank you for that. Preach the Word. And, uh, this morning as we think of the elements, the symbols of what he's done. It says here right in our Psalm 23 passage in verse 5 that uh, he prepares a table before us. And of course in, in this setting it's not enemies, it's with our brothers and sisters, our friends in Christ. And uh, we partake of the table that he continues to keep feeding us and the Lord's Supper is telling us this is this is what this is. This is how meaningful it is. So we actually put it into action, uh, tasting, feeling, um, partaking of that, knowing that He continues to feed us daily, constantly. We feed off of the person of Christ. And uh, what a privilege it is to do that. And uh, so that's what we do. The Lord has prepared a table when we come to the table, it says in Corinthians 11 that uh, what he requires, first of all, for one to be a believer in Christ, right? And then also to have the heart right before one uh, comes to the table. The table of grace. And so this is what we do this morning. As we honor our shepherd.
your blessing. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. take these elements, we're not only um, proclaiming the death of Christ, but we're also proclaiming the resurrection because he's the bread that came to life. And then he also has the fruit. And he was the first fruits. We are the fruit that follows all because of Christ. Let's say the blessing. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit from the we sang that song earlier this morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's do that and then we'll have a closing blessing. Joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will not falter. I will not faint. He is my shepherd, I am not afraid. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen.
his main thing is he's got sins and hinders anything. Yeah, he needs to see Beautiful. like how how big this God is, right. how vast. That's what this I told creation him. Is, uh, I just got done listening to that John Piper. Yeah, Piper. Right, the bondage of the will. Bondage of the will. Isn't that good? That with him. And I said, listen, all wills after Adam. He said we have free will, and he's like, in the garden.